In 2002, James W. Griffin was charged with attempted murder in the second degree, attempted aggravated robbery, and conspiracy to commit robbery. At trial, James was found guilty. He was sentenced to 25 years as the getaway driver. Bob Frazier, manager of Carlos O'Kelly's in Topeka, Kansas, testified that a person believed to be a black male, dressed in all black, entered the restaurant while he conducting a tour of the establishment with school children. The subject entered the back of the restaurant through the kitchen and into Mr. Frazier's office without being seen by other employees. After hearing a loud popping noise, a witness in the restaurant made his way towards Mr. Frazier's office where he was found lying on the floor. The safe had not been opened. No theft had occurred. No cash register drawers were taken. At trial, the evidence used to convict James was based on hearsay from one person, their significant other, and a next-door neighbor. Since then, the witnesses have recanted their testimony, stating they lied to avoid a jail sentence. In addition, phone records which never presented at trial have James at a location two and a half hours away from Topeka in Coffeyville, Kansas. His mother, also his alibi, was never called to testify on her own son's behalf. She has since passed away. No one identified James Griffin as either the shooter or the getaway driver. And lastly, no DNA or physical evidence that James Griffin was even involved in this crime exists. The state of Kansas judicial system has failed James Griffin, just as it has failed countless others. It's up to us to stand for a change and say enough is enough. Everyone deserves a fair trial and to tell their truth. That's the promise every citizen of this country is given, but the system does not keep its promise. Please sign this petition that you'll find in the descriptions to allow for another trial for James Griffin and to allow for true freedom and justice to prevail. the truth James can you hear me yep okay perfect perfect so <clears throat> I guess before we really get started how much of me do you know about who you yeah um I I don't know I just met you <laughs> okay so sorry about that <laughs> no 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 it's okay it's okay I just didn't know how how informed of of me you were Run down real quick. Um, I come from a broken home. I started getting in trouble at 12, 13 years old, breaking into houses, started selling drugs at 14, um, in and out of prison all the way up until I was uh, about 29. I got out of prison at 21, stayed out till I was 29, and I caught a federal charge for distribution of cocaine, five kilos or more. Um, it was all ghost dope. It was homeboys of mine that I grew up with that got knocked off and and um just started telling on everybody you know whoever they could to get off because all these people were facing life sentences so um they drugged me into it they you know uh came together because i i was the tough guy that was going to trial and they all came together and and formed a you know a harmonious story to send me away for you know at the time 20 years um i i ended up getting uh, when Obama left, he he did the 
two levels for first time nonviolent, you know, drug offenders, and that took four years off my sentence, sent me home in 2016. I uh, fell right away into a toxic relationship with a woman that I trusted at the time. We were talking about getting married, all of these things. Uh, all the money that I hustled in, in prison and, and while I was out during that time, put together, bought a house. Everything had to go in her name because I'm a convicted felon. And everything turned toxic and she took everything from me. In the process of that, I was building a nonprofit, which I, I have completed. Now I have a nonprofit, and I was building a podcast to expose the truth about what this government is doing, the prison industrial system from top to bottom, no holds barred. I do not take federal funding. I don't want anything to do with the federal government because I'm putting these people on blast. So. Oh, that um that is what I'm doing. I've I've been getting a hold of inmates and I've been getting a hold of inmates and uh, recording them and they um we're just having truthful, honest conversations, no holds barred of what these people are doing to us. So uh, Tracy reached out to me. She heard a couple of my podcasts, reached out to me, and wanted to get involved. My podcast has grown to a pretty substantial level, and here we go. Okay. Well, pretty much everything you said in the beginning of your life, is that's how my life started. Same way. Uh, I've never been to federal, though. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I've been in the hustle game. You know, uh, I've been... Um, I didn't come from a broken home too, you know what I mean? And, but now, what's really uh, the situation is that they found something that they could put something off on me that they thought that, you know, either I knew or I had to know. So it, 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 either way, it wasn't true, none of it. And I've served 20 years now behind this, mm. you know, and they know that where I was, you know, uh, my phone records knew where I was. Um, I've been arguing from the day I was arrested that, you know, why did you do this to me? Why am I here? Why, you know, and they kept constantly telling me that, well, it's either you did this or you know who did this, you know, like I told him, I said, hey, check this out. You know, I know where I was. You know, yeah, I don't keep record of where I was because I'm, like you said, I'm, you know, I was in the hustle game. So the only thing I have as a record is my cell phone. Right. You know, and, it's, and that cell phone is either to me or to my baby. That's it. And they knew that, but they couldn't. They uh, brought that into trial, and they told the people on the jury that my cell phone records was a dummy, and it was not, you know, and I'm like, that's a bunch of BS, because those phone records is actual legal documentation to show the travel. They know that how my phone travels. I'm either in Missouri, Kansas, or I usually, sometime I, I travel outside, and I go 
to other little areas in Kansas, you know, and they knew this. They seen that, but, you know. Hey, Jane, give me one yeah. second. I want to be very, very specific. Now, you and I both know who you mean when you say they, but the listener don't. So I want to keep I want to keep the listener intact. So names um, of of people, so the listener knows exactly who is doing this. Oh, okay. So so as as I was saying for the listener, when we say they, you know, we know like and it's just common for us coming where we come from when we talk about man these these people are they we're talking about the police we're talking about the government the prosecutor the judge the the attorney these people that's how we refer to these people as they and these people and we know exactly who we mean so please continue thank you uh the police uh found a what he sounded black he sounded he black yeah he couldn't see the guy the guy was all wrapped up or had mask on or whatever it was he, that, that's what the police report said the guy at trial said that the guy had mask on and everything and he said that the guy that he believed did this he said he sounded black Got so it. that started that started a whole situation with these police harassing everybody that was of color and that's one of my main issues I've been concerned of arguing with in on Facebook and on um, just getting this out into the media concerning how this investigation had even started because there was other like a younger group individuals they did the same thing too before they did me yeah it was it was all it was all started off speculation and hearsay but before we get in, because I want to get into the facts of what happened that day so the listener understands. Um, but before we do that, you mentioned a Mark Barron. Now, he's a detective? Michael Barron. Michael yeah, Barron. Okay, he's yeah. a detective for who? Uh, Topeka Police Department. Topeka Police Department. Okay. And so on this day, what was the day that this incident occurred? Do you know? Um. January, oh yeah, I can't never forget the day they told me it happened. It was January um, 24th, 02. That Super Bowl. It sure was, I think it was. I, I, yeah, I think it was. Okay. But like, 
and, and they arrested me uh, January uh, 10th, uh, 2004, for this crime. Okay, okay. So Jan, the crime occurred on January 24th of 2002, and they arrested you on January what? Of 2004? Yeah, 14, yeah. Yeah. So so pretty much two years. Yeah. Two much, years. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. Okay. So on Super Bowl day, what happened? Well, that day I was down in like two and a half hour, three hours away in southeast Kansas. My hometown. Okay. And that's where I usually go to hang out at. I'm down there with a bunch of friends, and, you know, I hang down there. That's where I'm at. Um, and I and I live, I, I you know, I'm back. my mother stays down there, too. You know, so that's the day I was down there. And just living around, moving around, you know, doing what we do to survive and live down there. Um I didn't have no idea what's going on in Topeka. That's two, like I said, two and a half, three hours away, which has nothing to do with me. The time frame, they, it, it, it was already established through facts through my phone record. They never investigated that. They never went and looked at it. I told my trial attorney, I said, well, go down to my hometown, question these people, look down, go down there and find out where I was, what I was doing. Since you're saying, because to go back to where the trial concerning what these people had said that where I had to be and where I could have been was the fact is, well, like I told him, I said, you know, I need somebody to go and follow these phone records. Because back then, I don't know, I, did, I couldn't tell you where I was actually was on that day. Yeah, you're know, moving. I knew that I was not in Topeka, Kansas. Yeah, you're just moving. Because because like yeah. uh, for me, uh, for me, I'm I'm a dope dealer. Super Bowl for me is money day. I don't give a damn about no game. You know what I mean? All I know is there are other people that want to party, and I'm trying to get that money on that day. Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm moving. I couldn't tell you where I was at because I'm moving all over the place. But like you say, I can tell you what town I'm in, of course. That we yeah that I knew. You know so. But like I said, that you know, the prosecutor told me that you know all that was was basically well. He said it was a dummy number, my phone records, and I could have been this place, which that's you know, no one at this crime identified me. Nobody at this crime said that they uh, seen my vehicle there at this crime, other than they saying it was a black car with tinted windows. You know, that's all. That's basically all they said. They well, they didn't say black car. They said dark colored car. So at some at some point during that day, a black a black colored car pulls up to what is this a restaurant? Yeah. Pulls up to yeah. a restaurant to rob it, right? Yes. And during this robbery, the owner, which his name is Bob, I believe, gets shot in the chest. Uh, yeah, I think that's what the, the record said. Yeah, he was shot somewhere around that area, and yeah. and was paralyzed pretty much from the 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 chest down. Yes. 
And I, I just heard recently that that Bob had just died. So rest in peace, you know, and, and you know, many blessings for, for, you know, the tragedy that occurred in his life. You know, at, at the end of the day, there's always a victim that had to suffer through this as well. And I never want to forget about how these people's lives were altered as well. You know, so I always want to pay respect to the fact that for whatever reason, this man's life changed that day. You know, but so he was shot paralyzed and he was masked that's that's what the report said and that's what the report said it said that this guy had something had they couldn't see they said he was dressed in dark clothing and they said that they couldn't see the guy but the you know the guy the, the guy that testified that got shot said that the guy sounded black that's all he knew and that's why I was getting so frustrated at trial with my trial attorney. I'm like, aren't you going to say something? Say something. Right. And he's like, well, he's not saying you did it. Well, I'm saying, why am I here then? That's what I kept saying. Well, I mean, the first question that comes to mind, I'm not an attorney, but the first question that comes to my mind is what does black sound like? Yeah, I've been saying that for years. You know what I mean? Like, okay, he sounded black, but what does that sound like? Can you describe what that sounds like? What does black sound like? You know? So, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but I've been saying that for years, and I'm still saying it. Okay, you so know, who and, who was your trial attorney, and how did you end up with him? Um, he was court appointed. So, um, he, so he was a public defender. Court yes, he was a public. Defender. Okay. Yeah. And and that was because why? Uh, the state appointed him to me. But what I'm saying is you just you didn't have the funds for uh, I didn't have the funds to, to afford an attorney, no. Did you did you have uh uh did like did you go talk to attorneys and have price quotes? Um no, I didn't. I didn't because I really believe that um they wouldn't find me guilty of this because there was no way I was in Topeka when this crime had happened and I knew that I didn't commit this crime. And I told these people the day they arrested me, I didn't know anything about this crime. Uh, um, I'm sorry for what has happened, but I, I'm not the one that did this. I don't know who did this. And that's what I just kept telling them. And no, I get it. Just, I get it. I understand because because you you in your mind and your psychology, you're 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 sitting here thinking like this is open and shut. Like there's no way they can convict me on this. And why would I go spend? tens of thousands of dollars on an attorney when I could beat this with a public defender. You know what I mean? Like, this is open and shut. How they, how can they prove that I was even there? Well, they told me that they had people saying that they heard me say I did it. That's what they said. Hearsay. And people testified to it. And one of them has come forward and his conscience got to him. And, and came and he apologized and asked David to me letting me know that that you know that he didn't he's sorry for he, what what he testified to because he said he knew it wasn't true he said these detectives threatened him into to doing this to me and to telling them that you know that they would let him go and, and and they did they let him go you know they and but i still it's, it's still hard realizing that you know how could someone go out of their way to do that to someone you know that's 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 what I'm dealing with today, and not only him, just the other two people that they did this to. You know, I, I still can't 
grasp that they would get on the stand and do this to me. And and the and you the know? and the thousands and thousands and thousands of others that these detectives use to bring convictions, even though that they're innocent people. I mean, it happened to me. Was I was I innocent? Yeah, I was dealing drugs. I was surviving. Was I selling mass kilos? No, I was not. And they had no evidence that I was. But let me ask you this. But the, the, that's the difference between feds and state, though, because in state, I thought that hearsay was not admissible. So how how did they what evidence did they have to pin you at that scene to put you there at that scene? There was nothing that tied you to the scene whatsoever. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing to say that I had anything to do with this crime. Nothing other than people getting on the stand saying they heard me say I did it. That's it. So what did they find you guilty on? Attempt to murder. All of it. And aggravating because they said I was in for the penny and in for the pound. And, and, and they basically told the jury regardless of his extent of whatever 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 he did made him fully responsible for everything they wrote him they wrote it they how they did it and and i went to see that i did get a federal attorney now they went to uh denver on this case and i got a letter from him also where they said that you know they know the state didn't prove i had the intent to commit this crime none of those charges but it was a state law error, so it wasn't nothing they could do on the federal level to, to go back and make them do what they need to do, which is very, very hard to accept. And it's very hard to accept the fact is that this attorney general, Derek Smith in Kansas, argued my case in Denver, personally, to try to keep me in prison behind this crime. This is why it's a political it's a political issue now. Because from 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 the start, you know, like I told him, I said, you know, I want to be free. I, I and I demanded that and I demanded that in everything I've been filing for twenty years here. You know, because y'all know that there's no law or anybody saying that I had to to commit any of these criminal acts here at all. You don't have why is it that I'm still in prison and I'm still pressing the issue? Why am I still in prison here? You know? And it's just frustration, man. When when you know, I'm I'm this is the thing about me. I'm not very book smart to to to, to the knowledge of what they've done to me, but I can feel it in my heart and I know what they did to me was wrong. And I've been over the years trying to do my own little understanding of the law to put stuff in there pro se to to let these people know that, you know, you've done something wrong here. And I need somebody to look at this. You know, you took away everything from me. You know, and um, all I want is somebody just to hear that they put an innocent man in prison for 20 years. Well, I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around what they convicted you on the 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 burden of proof with beyond a reasonable doubt. So at oh, at, that's taken away. At at they the, took that away. What do you mean? They never even had that. Huh? 
I never even had that. What, what do you mean? I know. The, the burden of proof, they didn't even have a burden of proof. This is, this, that's what's crazy. They threw some sort of instruction in, and it's, it's called editing and abetting, and they say that editing and abetting to the crime. See, this is a situation where I had a fall partner. It was my brother, right? And they saying that my, this is the thing. I had a, my brother was the one they trying to say that actually went in this place and did this. And this is the thing about it. They saying that the evidence was that they seen, someone said they seen a description of him, which is felonious because the person before us, they said the same thing too. And they made people file, and this is, this, this is, this is not just a short story. This is a kind of a bit of a story, but to, to give you a little more of understanding what happened here, you know, there was a bunch of juveniles also that was fitting the same description that they uh, went after, and they made people file affidavits telling them the same thing, that line, the same line they did to them, they did to them, they did to, to me. They they did. They went to witnesses, and witnesses were filing. These are not just little couple lines here. They filed statements. I'm talking about statements, actual long statements concerning somebody else did this crime here. And the same situation in my case, what they did, the same thing. That's why we need people to investigate. Investigate this and this Kathleen Lippert, She was a prosecutor also that met with the state witness privately too concerning this case that um, we've been I've been trying to push to to have investigated nobody wants to investigate her or look into her but you know and are these uh, these are the same detectives that are running around putting pressure on everybody with the, with the with the same story right yes yes the same, that's what I mean the same story yes it's all in the police reports that's why I've been pushing the issue to I need to be released. Look at these reports. And it's not just about being released. It's about clearing my name. That's the real fight that I'm I'm trying to push right now. Yeah, well, no question. I'm not concerned about the time. I've never been concerned about the time. No See, question. This is, it's, it, it's, it's about clearing my name. And clearing the fact is that what these people done to me, they know they were wrong. And they know they were wrong. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to prove here. What um, what prison are you in? I'm in El Dorado Correctional Facility, maximum. Uh, are are you a spiritual person, religious person? Um, you know, I I grew up that way, but really, I haven't really been into I haven't been into it like I should because. I've been for, more focused on my case, man. Long story short. I'm, Everything I've been studying is, is, if you come in here and look right now in my room, I got all that's just full of legal stuff. I understand. That's, that's all I've invested my, my years in is just trying to understand what I don't know about what they done to me. And I've been posting it everywhere. And everything I say, I got proof of. Everything that I speak on is the truth. Everything that anything comes back, I can prove it. So it's everything that, you know, like I said, the burden of proof, they took that away. They, 
I never had a beyond a reasonable doubt to be convicted of these crimes, period. That's why I said they used a felonious instruction talking about if I was in for the penny, I was in for the pound of the crime, regardless of my extent. Yeah, it's, it's, how, it's, how, it's a, how old are you, James? Well, I'm getting ready to be 50 now. Yeah, I'm 40. I came in 32. I'm 47. Yeah, so, and, and, I, and when I came in here, I didn't look like I've aged like this. This stress has aged me. Well, this is what I'm getting ready to talk to you about, James, because at the end of the day, homie, you are where you are and you're there for a reason regardless whether we understand this reason or not but this is this is something internal within you that you have to understand right at the end of the day we have to we have to know self and we have to be honest with self with everything everything and with me my life, man, my whole life, I never wanted to be a criminal. I hated it. I would cry at night because I did not know how to stop committing crimes and going to jail and all of this stuff. And the whole time, I was convinced in my mind that I was a good person, right? And But I was lying to everybody and manipulating everybody to try to show that image that I knew that I wasn't, but I would never admit it. And this has nothing to do with you. This is me. And it wasn't until I'm sitting in solitary confinement in one of the worst federal prisons in America. I mean, I'm fighting against these Aryan brotherhoods. I'm fighting against, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just angry. I'm angry that my homeboys could get on the stand and point their fingers at me and lie and look me in my face. I'm angry I left a six month old child, my only child. You know what I mean? I'm, I was so angry, I was so angry that everything, it was consuming me to the point to where nobody even wanted to associate with me anymore. They thought I was lost to the system, and I was. And at the end of the day, I just wanted to be a good guy. And as I'm sitting in solitary confinement, I just had to come with, to grips as to, even though that I was innocent, of, of, of what they had me in there for. I was a bad person in society. And for me, it became a, 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 a thing that God, you know, I was put here. Life put me here to check myself because life had bigger things for me, but it had to correct me because I wasn't correcting myself out on, on my own. And at that point, it was me changing my mentality from, you know what, I'm not a good person. I'm not a good person. I lie. First and foremost, I cheat. I steal. I try to manipulate people and, and use people. That's not what a good person does. So instead, I want to be a good person. I do want to be a good person. So first and foremost, let me stop lying and have conviction in myself and stand tall and proud of who I am. And I started to love who I was and within that I started embracing my environment and everything that happened to me because I loved who I was and I was not going to let anything defeat me and when my mentality started changing 
and that anger started washing out of me because I accepted the people that were around me, right? I put them there. I knew that these people were snitches. You know what I mean? And I put them there. It's my fault. Everything is my fault. Why I'm here is my fault. It's been my choices through my whole life. And when that happened, homie, the gates opened up to a whole new realm of reality for me. Everything positive started coming into my life to the point to where to the point to where I got up on December 9th, 2015 and I'm going out to the rec yard. And at this time I still got five and a half years and I'm tired. I mean, you know, shit, I'm tired. And my case manager comes and he stops me and he's like, man, Harold, when you get back in, come holler at me. I got something to tell you. Now, in this process, I'm going through a clemency process because I've already talked to the pardon attorney up in Washington who told me I was a shoe in because I got railroaded at trial. So this is what the pardon attorney of Washington, D.C. said. Now, a couple weeks go by. This happens December 9th. I, I go work out. I come back in. I sit down with a case manager. I'm like, what's up, Tyson? He said, man, listen, I got good news and bad news. What you want first? I said, well, shit, let me get the bad news first. So he says, well, your clemency was denied. I said, what do you mean my clemency was denied, man? I just talked to them. I started flipping out, you know, because for me, that was it. He said, now, hold on, hold on, hold on. He said, now, the reason why your clemency was denied, because I took it upon myself to go ahead and file for this new thing that came out called two-level reduction you're eschewing for that he said i got you that and i got you nine months halfway house on top of that he said you go home in 30 days man i started crying i looked at him i said man you know what today is i said today's my mom's birthday i said i'm gonna go wish my mom a happy birthday you know and i honestly believe all of this happened because I knew that it would. From day one, I knew that I was not going to do all that time. But I had to correct my thought process. I had to change myself. I had to become love. I had to love myself. And in order to do that, I had to embrace everything that was happening to me, good or bad. Because I, I, I trust God and I trust life. Life has been here longer than I have. And I know that if I put good out, good will come back. And I just started doing that. I stopped beating up pedophiles. I stopped committing violence. I started helping people. I sat in the law library and I, like you say, I just learned and learned and learned and read. I stopped watching movies and, and stopped reading fiction. I started filling my head with knowledge and positivity and love. I'm helping people. And man, did that turn around for me, partner. So I say all to say, James, you're there for a reason. And you have to find what that reason is within you and make sure that everything within you is right and life will deliver to you because if life knows you're wrong, it's going to correct it because the truth will always prevail and that I can swear to. This is why I will not lie. So I want you at peace, brother. I don't want you stressed. There's nothing to stress about. You have to have faith. And with faith, I'll say this here. What I'm trying to get my brothers and sisters out here to understand what faith is, is that think of the farmer, right? We don't question when the sun goes down. 
if it's coming back up. We know it's coming back up. And we even know what time is coming back up to the point to where the farmer will go out into the fields and tend to his fields. Blood, sweat, and tears to beat the sun because he knows what happens when the sun comes up. And every day, as it always has since that farmer's been alive, that sun comes up and does what it does. He went out and put the work in knowing the sun was coming. And I believe this is what we have to do with ourselves, man. We just got to put in the work, correct self, you know what I mean? And and come out and, and flourish and, and take vengeance for what, what we have lost, no question. This is what built my platform. You know what I mean? And And that's it, brother. You know, I love you. I love you as a human being. I love you as a suffering human being. I'm here for you anytime you need somebody to talk to. And I'll do what I can to spread the word about this atrocity that has happened. But in the meantime, brother, you have to be at peace. Well, you know what? It's, I, I mean, I understand all your life story. And, you know, mine, it's, it's always been about trying to prove the truth here. Okay? This is the thing that, you know, I'm... I struggle with myself. I know who I am. I know what I've been through. I know that what they've done to me, my life don't deserve that. I, now, I've made a lot of mistakes that, you know, where it affected me to where it affected my personal life towards relationship-wise, but hurting people, no. They know that. My lifestyle of what I've been living, they know that. Okay, they, I put down the law. The, the, every, see, I grew up in a small community. Yeah. In a small community, everybody know everybody's business. Yeah. Okay. Um, I grew up in this small community going to church, Baptist church to be exact. Um, and, Everybody knows that even the law officials and these prosecutors, because they then kept record of all my, they looked all that up, and they even quoted that in trial that you know I we we really don't see any violence other than normal simple fights that you had as a kid growing up. You know, not guns. I didn't carry guns. I'm not a gun handler. They know that. The police know that. The law officials. You know, um, I don't rob people. I don't have to steal from these people. Yeah. Um, you know, my my thing is, like I said, is, you know, in these years in prison, yeah, I got closer to understanding who I was and my mistakes and, 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 you know, the, the, the downs, ins and outs of, of, of why I'm going through this. And yeah, I feel like in a way that God put me here in the sense of to think about how I was living, how I was moving, how I was, was, you know, not looking at the people that I used to not really you know, be there for, which I should have been there for, that that's, that's the kind 
know, my way of trying to accept why I'm here instead of the reality of what has happened to why I'm here. Amen. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense, partner. It makes it makes it makes absolute and, sense. And I try to, and I, you know, and my whole mission of of, of, of what I've been through is I want people to know that out there. I want people to know that I'm just not somebody here screaming a wolf right. or hollering wolf, because there really is a wolf. And that's that, and that's. that's and that's my that's what I do homie when I say that I'm a voice for the voiceless I'm a voice for you right I'm building a platform for you to say exactly what it is that you're saying now because what I'm trying to get the community to understand when they look at the criminal and they look at crime to understand these people and when I say these people going back to what I said before the government the police the prosecutor, the judge, the system, these people, they don't care that Bob got shot. They don't care that Bob's store got robbed. They wanted Bob's store to get robbed because they take this man right here, send him through the system because they look at him as a throwaway, get the conviction and move about because they know more crime is going to occur. I'm trying to get the community to understand all these people care about is convictions. They don't care who gets wrapped up in it. And if you think, listener, that this cannot happen to you, it's only around the corner from you. All you have to do is look at the stats over the last 40 years. You're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of percentile escalated in every in every community so if you think it's not going to happen to you it's only around the corner these people are trying to convict us to control the guns to control the votes they don't care about whether you did it or not it's just whether can can we the people prove that we didn't do it the burden of proof has shifted from the prosecutor to us we're guilty until innocent we have to go to trial to prove that we didn't do it versus going to trial that to prove that the prosecutor has to prove that we did do it. You know what? I'm glad you said that because this is this is something that I kind of wanted to because I for my viewers that people that I want to know that's out there that's you know that I want to listen and hear and understand that what's happening and I wrote a little thing down here. It's a little diagram where it's a community of the wrongly convicted, meaning like what we we're just talking about. All of us people that's like on the Facebook, everybody's convicted is communicating with each other, and 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 I understand all that, and and and, and people trying to reach each other, but we're not really getting the message out. We want to reach people that that don't have convictions, problems, or convictions, or you know, or have people that, you know, that knows people that's being convicted, or just people that, you know, that, um, they get that, that think that just because you're in prison, that you must have did what you've done, you know, and, and, and reaching political people, you know what I mean? You, I, Those are the people that need to hear what is going on to people like us. 
You know, this is the type of people that that we, as a us, like we're talking, need to reach people out there like that to hear, like people like us, is going through. Because it's it, you know everybody they locked up, and I understand our people that's in trouble, and it doesn't have to do with race. It's with everybody. Yeah. You know that is wrongfully convicted. If these hear what these people's stories is, hear what these listen to these people's live stories, listen to these people's whole scenario of what has happened, and then you determine what you think. You know, I just want people to 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 hear the whole story, listen to the whole everything that that's happened to a person's life, so you can be able to truthfully and fairly judge. What has happened here? Well, you it, know, that's the type of people that I want to reach. That's the type of people that we need to reach. You know. Well, that's that's, that's the, my whole message. That's that's the platform that I've kind of built, homie. Is is people who they're 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 skeptical, but they listen and they ask questions, right? Like people hit me on social media. I have. Man, listen, I have conversations. I, I'm in this seven days a week, all day long. This is my life right now. I have no social life. I have no girl. I'm, I'm on this seven days a week, all day long. I'm having conversations with inmates, politicians, organizations. I'm learning so much about the corruption in every one of those that I just named, right? And this is the platform that I've kind of built for myself are, are these individuals that are finally starting to to listen because you cannot argue against the stats that's right that's right that's right that's right I'm teaching them what crime is I'm teaching them what the 13th amendment really is and how law came before crime the law created the crime I'm teaching them all of this stuff you know what I mean, and, and I'm and I'm slowly getting them to understand how they need crime in the communities because, like you just said, they're trying to control us in these poor communities, right? I'm I'm showing them how it has our public school system wrapped up, our foster care system wrapped up, how almost every living aspect of us in the community has something to do with the prison industrial system. And what I'm teaching them, homie, is 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 like going back to the '80s. Think about what you just said. And now take it back to the sitcoms of the 80s when they used to make fun of the court system. They used to have shows like Night Court that was it was just comical. You know what I mean? And they were teaching the people through these sitcoms to to pretty much uh, uh, figure out how to get out of jury duty. They made like jury duty laborious. And now you got the whole country trying to get out of jury duty. And then like I just said on the podcast, but yet... You had half the world sitting here watching Johnny Depp from start to finish, and these will be the same people that'll fall asleep in your trial. Yeah, they did that too. <laughs> well, there's, it's just a common, like, homie, everything that you're telling me is no different than any other inmate that I have on my show talking about their innocence and what happened during their, it's all the same, which is why I'm trying to build this platform so people will hear it don't matter if you're in Kansas, Washington, Florida, Mississippi, it's all the same. That's right. That's right. It really is. It's a system. Right. It's a system that they're running through. That's right. How you want to end this, James? Well, 
want people to know that, you know, I understand the struggle of justice and fighting for something that in your heart you know is real and that you know that you want someone to listen to you before they judge you. And you want someone to, to know that, you know, this is just not me or you or anybody else's issue here or concern here. This is a everybody concerned that everybody should get involved and listen. Just all people like us need is someone to listen to us and then judge us and then hear what is actually happening to us. That's right. And you know, my message has always been how many times, you know, I have to scream my menace until someone finally listens to the truth for here, what's really going on. And I'm going to keep screaming that message. God bless, you know. And I'm an amplifier for you, homie. I appreciate that, man. I'm an amplifier for you. So, with that being said, like I say, you know, homie, just, just at the end of the day, when you lay down, just find peace. So you can get rest because you have to have energy to fight this. You cannot let this stress consume you because there's no good of you coming home stressed and beat up. So preserve yourself first. Self always comes first. No matter where you're at on the face of this planet. Self always comes first. Self-preservation. You know what I mean? So please find peace so you can rest a little bit. Rest your conscious and, and rejuvenate. You know, even if you have to step away. Right, just put everything down for a little while, step away for like four or five days, and let your mind process all the information in your head so you can start anew with, with maybe fresh ideas and stuff. But just I'm just giving you some of the tips that I used to do to, to, to keep my sanity and, and try to remain calm. You know what I mean? So, but with that, brother, I love you. Please sp spread my message within where you're at. We have to come together. I'm telling inmates, I'm telling gangbangers, I'm telling drug dealers, I'm telling everybody in the communities. We have to come together. These people do not care about us. They're using us to, to show examples on TV, on the news, to keep these prisons full, to keep the police paid, and to keep them in our communities. We have to stop that. If we want the system to change, we have to be better people. Inside, outside, it doesn't matter. We have to start protecting one another inside, stop killing each other, stop the violence, stop the gang shit, and everybody come together because shit is real out here. And we're about to lose a lot of shit. Hmm, I know that's right. You know what I mean? So please spread spread the love in there and just let them know, man, listen, Free Me Podcast. There's a brother out there preaching, but we got to do our part in here too, man. You know what I mean? We got to stop working with these guards and, and stop allowing these guards to bring their cell phones and drugs in. You know what I mean? We have to stop this stuff. There has to be a line somewhere and stop thinking about self all the time and the little bit of pennies that we're getting and understand that people are suffering behind this shit. And the only way to stop it is with, with unity. It's the only way this is going to stop. So everybody has to do their part. So with that, brother, I love you, man. Like I say... Um, thank your family again for reaching out to me and bringing this to, to light, allowing us to connect so so we can get get you amplified. And and I'm always here, man. I'm here any way that I can help. Share the message, please. 
no question, man. I'm gonna put it out there, man. I got, I got right as of right now, I got about seventy thousand listeners worldwide on on my podcast. Okay, that's, that's what I like. My TikTok, I got two accounts on TikTok, so equal both of those. I'm about eight thousand subs. My YouTube's got four thousand subs. So, man, I'm I'm pushing. People are listening to me. We're in the age of Aquarius right now. I don't know if you're you're hip to that or not, but the age of Aquarius is a time that has been written about for the last 2,000 years. When they say that Jesus will come back in the sign of the fish and all of this stuff, right now is the time. And what the age of Aquarius is, 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 is the age of enlightenment. It's a time of enlightenment. So even though people want to lie, they can't help it. The truth is coming out. It's being exposed. This is why we see everything going on that we see. This is why life had took a whole 180 degree turn. Amen. People are trying to fight against the truth and it's over with. It's over with. Some some feel Jesus came back because this is the time. This is the time that people have been writing about. So... And that's what I'm warning these politicians. Listen, man, you're fighting against life. You're fighting against karma. You're fighting against God. So you can sit up here and try to deceive all you want. I'm just going to sit back and watch the fireworks because I know what's coming. You can't hold the truth back. And that's what I want you to find peace in, homie. We're going to get you the truth, man, for real. Let's keep in touch, okay? I'm here anytime you need me, man. I'm a life coach. I'll help you. If you're stressed out, I'd rather you get a hold of me and talk to me versus a, take it out on somebody else, man. This is this is what I'm here for. I'm here for you guys. I got my foundation for you guys, the podcast for you guys. Just I need you to spread the word in there. Don't worry. It's already going to be done. <laughs> all right, homie. You take care of yourself, man. All right? And give your family many blessings and, and just find peace, homie. Okay. Thanks, bro. One.